Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. This is A.B. Dauji and this is the Big Picture broadcasting simultaneously on Radio Islam and Radio Al-Ansar. Ahlan wa sahlan. And how's it? All you terrorists out there, you Islamists, you jihadists, you fundamentalists, crazy Muslims who want to kill everyone and who reject the civilized values of the Western world that wants to live in peace and harmony with everyone and that respects the values of justice and fairness and never to occupy the land of others or exploit their resources or make war. Why can't you people just behave, eh? What's wrong with you Muslims? Sometimes we are forced to rescue you. We got rid of Saddam Hussein for you, didn't we? Uh, pity we had to smash up the whole place and kill hundreds of thousands looking for weapons of mass destruction. But did we get a thank you from you? Hmm? You ungrateful lot? No siree. And no thanks also when we got rid of Gaddafi. So Libya was reduced to rubble and there was a civil war after that. So what? So what? That's got nothing to do with us. And now that we are saving the whole world from the genocidal terrorist Hamas by dropping two-ton bombs on women and children, you lot are marching and screaming. You know, there's something seriously wrong with you Muslims. You guys need to get a life or we will take yours. <laughs> hey, Mota, don't raise your eyebrows so high. <laughs> Relax. I had my tongue firmly in my cheek, okay? So, Habibi, as usual on the big picture, we begin with some starters, eh? light stuff, some samosa before we serve the main course. Yes, it's one week already. Back to school for the kids. A really stressful time. Even traumatic. Lots of covering of piles and piles of books. And the homework. Woohoo, that's a killer. When I say stressful and traumatic, I mean for mom who is covering the books, rushing them, the kids to get ready, and dad for struggling with the homework. And, and what a struggle it is, eh? Hey, draw a, uh, a chart of Earth's revolution around the sun and indicate the winter and summer solstices in the northern and southern hemispheres color-coding the entire event. Yes, yes. <laughs> and that is for standard one. Hey, don't ask me about grades and all that stuff, right? And my five-year-old Zara is in grade zero, zero something. And she has a bag heavier than her, than, than, than herself. It's full of books, as if she's off to do her PhD. <laughs> and I picked this, uh, this one up on Facebook. It really made me laugh. As the thief was leaving the house, a six-year-old woke up and said, take my school bag or I'll scream. <laughs> okay, on to the next subject, and this story is not for sensitive listeners. And may I request that you, you switch off, please, okay? Or you could be offended. Hey, I said switch off, Motabaji, not make it louder. Okay, so we, 
You know, we come across a story occasionally where a passenger on a plane is removed for causing a scene, either fighting with other passengers or with the stewards and so on. Or maybe they may insist in smoking or commit some other misdemeanors. Dear listeners, I came across something even more serious that could get you removed off a plane. Please pay careful attention and take note so that it doesn't happen to you. I'm reading from this article from the People magazine. A flight was reportedly delayed after the plane ran into some unexpected trouble. An excessively gassy passenger who had to be removed. The January 14 incident happened on an American Airlines flight from Phoenix, Arizona to Austin, Texas. A passenger said, I was seated near the row where this situation occurred while the plane was still at the gate. We saw and heard an audibly disgruntled and maybe hungover man. Uh, He reportedly exclaimed, you thought that was rude? Well, how about this smell? And proceeded to loudly pass gas. I, I don't know what provoked that comment, and while kind of funny to overhear, it was uncalled for, especially coming from a grown man on an aeroplane nonetheless. The man who just purposefully farted moments ago decided to loudly and condescendingly say, yeah, everybody, let's just eat the smelliest food possible all the same. (laughs) This couple caused the plane, which had left the gate and been moving towards the runway for takeoff, to stop and return to the gate. At this point, the flight crew had to get involved. The witness said, Uh, We get back to the gate and a flight attendant comes back and informs fat man that he will not be staying on this flight. He simply replied, I don't understand. And she tells him they'll talk about it off the plane. He gets up and grabs his bag and quietly exits the plane. (laughs) So, So there you are, folks. On the big picture, you are given vital warnings about very important things to be cautious about. And this information will be very useful for the people of Durban, whose favorite dish is gadra beans. Kindly ensure that you do not consume this food at least two days before you take a flight. (laughs) By the way, I usually hear the captain say, please fasten your seatbelts as we are about to encounter some turbulence. And I, I don't think I've ever heard him say, Please fasten your seatbelts as we will be experiencing some flatulence. In the event of the smell becoming unbearable, oxygen masks will drop from above. (laughs) You know, but what really killed me was what the passenger said as the gaster was taken off the plane. They said, we really breathed a sigh of relief. (laughs) They didn't breathe anything else after that. Right, dear listeners, let's move on to the hot topic of the day, the ICJ ruling. And I will try to carefully unpack the issue and hope you don't misunderstand what I'm saying along the way, inshallah. Anyway, it's my program. Okay, Mount Mota, and I can say what I want, and you can do nothing about it. But before getting directly to yesterday's decision, let me wind back to the start of the issue. 
And most likely I'll be repeating some of the things that I mentioned previously about two weeks ago. For, for the past 75 years, right from the start time that Israel was created until just a few months ago, Israel has literally got away with murder. Yes, the continuous and systematic ethnic cleansing of the Palestinian people, destruction of homes, all manner of restrictions, and when they resisted this repression, they were jailed, tortured, or killed. Ah, you know the whole story, okay? The story of the brutality of the 75 years of oppression by what many have described as a terrorist state. And shockingly, the entire world has done very little or nothing to call Israel to account. And the reason why the world has allowed this rogue state to ignore international law, trample on human rights, defy all manner of conventions, and behave in a grossly barbaric manner, the reasons are well known. Maybe I'll get to them later in the program. But broadly speaking, there was always a massive atmosphere of intimidation. And, you know, I like to say this. Just as Gaza was put under a suffocating siege for 30 years, so also the world was put under a siege where no one was allowed to criticize Israel for its barbaric behavior. And anyone, anyone defying this code of silence would suffer the label of anti-Semite, or worse, suffer all kinds of sanctions. And just as Hamas broke out of the Gaza siege that's, that surprised the whole world, so also the world was absolutely taken aback, surprised by South Africa breaking out of this long-standing siege that prevented anyone from taking Israel to task. Absolutely in Incredible. Well, to expand the comparison, relatively small and weak Hamas, no jet fighters, no tanks, no sophisticated high-powered weaponry, took on what's described as the fourth largest army in the world. And so also, a relatively small player on the world's stage. South Africa took on the might and the extreme displeasure of Israel and the United States and the UK and Western Europe, a combined military and economic powerhouse. What absolute daring. And to be honest, many were nervous that South Africa would get smashed, would suffer the consequences of taking a brave stance and standing up to the big bullies. And yes, yes, of course, this could very well still happen. South Africa took Israel to the International Court of Justice. Breathtaking and exciting at the same time. All those smaller countries and in, in what is described as the global south, most of whom have suffered decades of vicious colonial repression and exploitation, uh, mass slaughter and enslavement. Many of those countries set up to cheer South Africa and even joined in openly and defiantly. Exciting times, Habibi, exciting times. But the biggest plus 
from this move by South Africa, the huge positive outcome is that the suffering of the Palestinians, one may call it a silent genocide, was at last very dramatically, explosively, and boldly put at the center of the global stage. Palestinians thought that the world had forgotten them. And to a large extent, that was the case. Israel bombed Gaza so many times previously, and there were marches, of course, and some mild criticism, and some UN resolutions that went nowhere. And then the dust settled, and it was business as usual, forgotten. And the business of smashing the Palestinians continued. But this time, this was a completely different ball game. Putting Israel in the dock, wow! <laughs> and, the Pal and, and the Palestinians are so grateful. They were so grateful to South Africa for doing this, putting their situation on the center stage in a very, very big way. That alone is a huge plus, a really wonderful thing to put some cheer into the lives of the Palestinians. But not only the announcement that we will go to The Hague made the headlines, but the actual presentation by South Africa put the spotlight on Palestine. <laughs> Incidentally, one motor stopped me there and he said, hey, Dauji, tell me, I heard there's some big things happening in Newton Hague. What's that about? <laughs> I quickly took out my phone and said, hey, Mota, sorry, I got to take this call. And I quickly escaped. Eh? <laughs> yeah, that was very cruel of me. Anyway, so our team, and I say that with great pride, went to the ICJ and presented its case in great detail. And the world heard about the suffering of the Palestinians, the silent genocide. No more silent. Eh? No more forgotten. And the Palestinians and their supporters around the world had tears in their eyes. I also did. Especially when voices rang out from the hell that is Gaza. Thank you, South Africa. Thank you, South Africa. Yes, even at that point, we should celebrate that as a great victory, that the world is forced by South Africa to open its eyes to what the Palestinians have been suffering. And many people's eyes did open around the world. Yes, <laughs> I'm laboring the point. I know that. So, dear listeners, we then waited for the big day yesterday when the ICJ was going to rule on our application. Let me say this, okay? Even if the ruling went against us, my thinking was, as I said just now, we put the Palestinian issue on the center stage, a really great achievement. And then the ICJ spoke, and that was absolutely wonderful and dramatic. Not only did it rule in South Africa's favor, but the judge repeated and acknowledged each one of South Africa's charges. 
Yes, she read out the genocidal intent in the words of top politicians and military men of Israel. She spoke about the starvation, the disease, everything that South Africa um, made in its presentation. It was a win for South Africa and most especially for the Palestinians in, the, in that the ICJ was a loudspeaker to the world about their plight. Okay, now let me get to a touchy issue. <laughs> touchy issue that elicited some grumbles, long faces, that the ICJ did not call for a ceasefire, and therefore South Africa failed in its aim. So let's look at the big picture. The ICJ has no real teeth, no military, no money, nothing, nothing. Therefore, its job is only to make a ruling, a declaration. It cannot act on its ruling to force anyone to do anything. It is an instrument of the United Nations, I am told, and therefore it can and it will refer the matter to the UN to act. So, two things to bear in mind. Firstly, Netanyahu said loudly some time ago that he will totally ignore any ruling of the ICJ. And he said this what, about a week ago, repeatedly. Secondly, the United States would veto any move to get Israel to comply. Although this would be difficult, as I'll explain, if we have time. So, to be clear, those who expected the ICJ to say that there should be an immediate ceasefire and expected that action will be taken and Israel will comply, well, all I can say is that one may put it in the category of a pipe dream. Here's the blunt conclusion. Israel will ignore all the rulings announced, all the rulings announced yesterday, and even if there was a call for a ceasefire. And yes, it will continue to smash the Palestinians. No change in that. So does that mean that South Africa taking Israel to the ICJ was a useless, wasted exercise, a complete failure, as some have framed it? Well, my answer is a very loud no. And the reason, as I repeatedly underlined, is that South Africa put, for the very first time in history, Israel on the defensive, and Israel struggled to make its case. Israel in the dock, what a wonderful sight, priceless, and Israel failed dismally. And why am I celebrating? Why am I happy? Because the Palestinians are happy. And Hamas released a statement that, is, that it is extremely pleased with South Africa's performance. And since yesterday, 
so many of our fellow black citizens are saying just that, that they are proud to be South Africans and are calling into radio stations to condemn Israel. So, dear listeners, what more do we want? Those who were ignorant of what was happening now see clearly the ugly face of apartheid Israel. Those countries who were intimidated into silence are emboldened to speak out in support of Palestinians. If that does not translate into a big win, a big positive, then maybe I need to go and see a Maulana. <laughs> yes, the Palestinians will continue to suffer, but this is a huge shift in perception, a huge nail in Israel's PR, public relations, or should I say propaganda campaign, Hasbara. That's what it's called. Let me explain it like this. We got more than we, or should I say, I expected. This is only the first stage of the ICTJ del deliberations. Let's be clear on that. First stage, okay? It only had to say, is there a prima facie case of genocide that Israel has to answer? Meaning, is there an apparent case to be made on the presentation of South Africa that there could be genocide? That is, does it seem like it's happening? In other words, yesterday's ruling was not the final word, was not the firm answer, no conclusion there. It was a preliminary finding and much more deep discussion and debate needs to take place. Right? Just check for something, yeah. And that will take place over a long period before a final determination, a final verdict is pronounced. Are you still with me? Good. <laughs> so I was pleasantly surprised that the judge actually spelled out and agreed with South Africa's presentation to the extent that, in my view, this actually appeared to be like the final verdict. She didn't even, as I remember, refer to any of Israel's points in its defense. Well, just to illustrate the whole issue, right, let me give you some sort of example that may fit in with uh, yes, the, the process. A person is charged with committing a crime. He appears in court. A preliminary hearing is about the gravity of the offense and whether he should be released on bail. The prosecutor and defense lawyer state their positions. The judge denies bail and the people in the court conclude that the man is a real menace, a bad guy, and therefore should be kept in jail. Hmm? Even though his trial will be coming up, and even though in reality a person is regarded as being innocent until finally proved guilty. 
So I just gave you a very crude example. <laughs> but in the ruling of the ICJ, Israel has been denied bail until the final verdict is determined somewhere in the future. That for me and for most of the world is enough to show that Israel is a bad guy. Of course, Israel and its supporters in the global north will go into overdrive to try to snatch victory out of defeat. Hey? And already they are saying, nah, 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 the ICJ didn't call for a ceasefire, so South Africa failed. The attempt to put lipstick on the pig is well underway. And of course, it has the media, the Western media on its side. Here's something <laughs> that gave me a chuckle. I just came across it the other day. It is said that cockroaches can survive the effects of a nuclear bomb. Did you get that? It is said that cockroaches can survive the effects of a nuclear bomb. But if you take a newspaper and whack a cockroach, it will die. That's the power of the media. <laughs> Uh, so just as the Western media almost completely ignored South Africa's presentation at the ICJ a few weeks ago, and the very next day gave full coverage to Israel's presentation, you can expect more of the same in the way that it will spin the verdict to show that Israel won and South Africa lost. It doesn't really matter. Today, social media sends everything out virally. Hmm? We don't need all this Western media. Well, you, we do need them, but in the absence of them speaking the truth, we have other avenues. So as I say, it doesn't really matter because in reality, all countries who signed up to the ICJ must comply with the ICJ rulings. Did you get that? They must comply. All those who signed up, America, UK, all of them, they will have to comply with the ICJ rulings and will find it difficult to wriggle out of it. Yes, of course, of course, the reality is that they very likely will try to wriggle out, but the fact that they will struggle to do so brings a smile to my face. And you know what, I just heard how difficult it will be for the British government to wriggle. Because in its own laws, its domestic laws, it is acknowledged, it is noted there, that any ruling of the ICJ will have effect and implication in Britain's domestic laws. So that clown, the clown Sunak, and the failed politician who's been pulled out of retirement, David Cameron, will be squirming. And of course, <laughs> that geriatric, doddery, flatulent, genocide Joe will be pacing up and down in the White House wondering what to do, what to do. Hmm? Am I implicated in genocide? Hmm? <laughs> Walking up and down. Or should I... Yes, maybe I should just hand the range over to Kamala to carry on in the next elections. Or maybe I should try to fight and keep Donkey Trump or that even more obnoxious Nimrata Randhawa. 
Nikki Haley out of the White House. And now he has to try to defend Israel. <laughs> they say it's enough to increase the buildup of gas. Anyway, what kind and all, eh? That place was supposed to be the White House. Now so many brown people there. Kamala, De, Nikki, and Rishi on the other side. <laughs> Dear listeners, there is an Indian fella at the White House who made my blood boil a few days ago. You know, I don't really like to pick on anyone's physique, but this short lump said this as he was addressing a press briefing at the State Department. He said that it's not true that Israel is committing war crimes. That's it. And he walked away. <laughs> His name is Vedant Patel, 33 years old. His family moved to America from Modi land. That's Gujarat, when he was two years old. A first-class mutya. You know what? I wish that modern technology could be so advanced as it will be in the future, like we have at the moment virtual reality and so on. But if only it was possible. When I heard Vedant, I wish that I could reach into the TV and give this laddu a tight clap. I'm actually thinking of calling this Gujarati fella and telling him, to gando che, nakamo. I hope I said it correctly. My Gujarati is not up to scratch, eh? Anyway, still at the White House. Still at the White House. Every top official, official, including that spineless Blinken, repeatedly said just one word over and over and over again. Eh? Each one of them. South Africa taking its case to the ICJ. It's meritless. It's meritless. Got no merit in it, meaning it's nothing, empty, silly. Well, yesterday the judges declared to the Mutias every aspect of South Africa's case has merit, and therefore we concur with it. So shut up, you Mamparas. But those were not the judges' actual words. But you know what? <laughs> When I saw the findings, all I could respond is, And so, dear listeners, let me end with this. The ICJ verdict doesn't mean that Israel will stop smashing the Palestinians. That won't change. But no doubt, Things have changed dramatically. South Africa won at the International Criminal Court. But it won even more resoundingly in the court of public opinion. Rejoice, people. Rejoice. And thank you, Cyril and Naledi. Thank you. So, people, when you see a silver lining... Please, don't automatically look for a cloud, okay? The tide is turning. Yes, slowly, very slowly, but surely in favor of the Palestinians, inshallah. And here's a bold statement from a group of rabbis published yesterday 
in a full-page advert in the New York Times. I'll read it to you, and then after I finish, I will play a short clip that I came across a few days ago. Um, Sky News was interviewing uh, Miriam Francois. She's half Irish. Hey, you know, the, the, the Irish really got the gift of the gap, and half French. She was absolutely brilliant, very, very sharp indeed. And I immediately emailed her afterwards and asked if she would come onto my show next week. And she replied immediately also that she will confirm shortly. Okay, here is a letter from the group of rabbis. Right, let me see if I can find it. Yeah, here it is. It says, Dear President Biden, as American rabbis, we write to you with deep sorrow and fury. Tomorrow is International Holocaust Remembrance Day, a time to honor the memory of the millions of people murdered through the genocide committed by the Nazi regime, including six million of our Jewish ancestors. We will also remember this as the time in which Israel was committing a genocide, aided and abetted by the United States. We know how painful it is for Jews to grasp that a Jewish state could possibly commit a genocide. Nevertheless, we are compelled to speak with moral clarity about what is happening to Palestinians. We do so not in spite of our histories, but because of them. We know in our bones what it means to hear Israeli officials dehumanize an entire people, to witness the Israeli military mass murder tens of thousands of Palestinians, to watch Israel systematically destroy civilian infrastructure, cultural institutions, universities and hospitals, to see Israel purposefully deny food, medicine and shelter. The Torah teaches there are moments when we must make a critical moral choice. As Deuteronomy 30.19 says, I have put before you life and death, blessing and curse. Choose life. President Biden, you have chosen death. Instead of using your considerable power to prevent or end this genocide, you have directly abetted it with weapons, funds, and diplomatic cover. If the words never again have any meaning at all, they must mean never again for anyone. Signed, Jewish Voice for Peace, Rabbinical Council. Hmm. <laughs> so there you have it, folks. Israel increasingly in the dog box. The tide is turning, dear listeners. And now, listen to the clip. This is A.B. Dauji bidding you all Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.